Oh. And hi, everybody, and welcome to Sister to Sister. This is the show where we open our hearts and we open our minds and have real conversation about racism and what it is like to experience that as a person of color in the US and around the world. So I'm so glad to have you all with me today. Get comfortable. We'll be here for a little bit, 15, 20 minutes, hopefully. And the conversation is all about just showing us something that we may not have seen before. You know, we hear about the systemic racism that exists and white privilege that exists. And yet sometimes people don't see it and don't understand it because they don't live it. So the whole point of this conversation is to hear from someone who lives it, who sees it on a regular basis. And today my guest is a fantastic friend, someone that we have known each other since the early 2000s. And we've just reconnected uh, after not seeing each other for several years. So it's a pleasure to have with me, Dr. Joy Vaughn. And let me tell you a little bit about her. First of all, she's a native of Barbados. So when I first met her, that's on and on, and on about how Barbados is so beautiful. She even gave me a Barbados coffee mug that I still have to this day. You remember that? Yeah. I still have it to this day. Oh my gosh. That's, it's so wonderful. And you, she's reinvented herself many, many times. First of mm. all, you hear doctor, right? She's a doctor, but let me tell you, she has a doctorate in brain-based education. Like she knows how this thing in our heads works, head works. And she's, she's had, I'm gonna read this from here because she's had groundbreaking research in neuropsychology and has been instrumental in insist, assisting individuals and companies in the area of talent management, improving employee performance, her knowledge of human development and neuropsychology has helped her to understand the heart and soul of organizations and their most valuable asset, which is the people that work there. She is passionate about helping you reinvent yourself according to your life's purpose and gives you the tools for resiliency and continued success. And Joy, you're a woman who has had many opportunities to be resilient, haven't you? Yes, yes. I remember when I met you, Trisha. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure, so I'm so glad you're here. here. Uh, I remember I was just coming out of um, a horrible illness that um, I actually left me paralyzed and all of that, um, coming out of that. And I remember standing on the stage um, and telling my story about coming out of that and being resilient and being healed, thanks to the good Lord um, and my faith and um, managing my mind around illness and how that journey has led me to really now be pain-free. No medication. Wow, that's amazing. I remember that. And you know, all you did was go to the dentist. That's true. That's it. You just went to the dentist and the next thing you know, the fillings in your mouth started to attack your body. Yeah. 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 And for and a long I, time you dealt with that. Yes. 15 years. Wow. Of working through pain and um, managing my mind, like really understanding that um, this brain of ours has uh, the capacity to regenerate itself and change and alter your behavior and your muscles and your joints and all that good stuff. That's, you well, know, God and, 
it's amazing that you dealt with it for so long. And during that time, did you wrote four books? Were you writing the books during that time? Yes, I wrote Powerful People, Powerful Lives uh, first because I really wanted uh, people to understand that no matter what your circumstances are, they don't have you unless you allow them. Yeah. And it's really the power of the mind that has you overcome everything in life, how you view life, how you see life, how you get over your circumstances, how you don't allow your circumstances to hold you down. And God knows I've had many circumstances, particularly, you know, from even from my childhood. Yeah. Yes, in Barbados, you know, and that really brings me to oftentimes, you know, you'll hear people say, well, yeah, there's racism, but get over it. You know, you can use your brain to get past it. And I know that you do. I know that you're, of all the people I know, you're one of the most resilient. You know how to use your brain to program your subconscious. Yet racism exists, especially, I was thinking, because you go back and forth, you still go to Barbados. I do. You grew up there. So there's probably some contrast between Barbados and the U.S. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, uh, thanks. So when I grew up in Barbados, um, my family belonged to the, um, the top 1% of the country. And there was more jealousy um, than racism. Barbados is a predominantly Black country, as you right. know. Um, our government is Black. Our prime minister is Black. Um, most of the populace there are Black. Um, we are very well educated, um, enterprising, uh, but it's a cultural context that gives us fuel to rise as a culture. Does that make sense? Yes. But even in that cultural context, when you're rising together, because that's the that's the the, the, the mantra, that's your, your that's what you're supposed to do. Because we come out of a British context, you know, with slavery, yes? yes. I won't spend too much time on that because my dad um, was one of the last to be on a plantation with slaves. And so he came out of that and rose um, and ended up at the United Nations. So you know, my mom, really great legacy. And what I want to share with that is that even as you fought to rise, there was um, prejudice against you. But the prejudice I experienced was more of a personal jealousy prejudice, where like, who are you? I was called, I was bullied as a child, called yellow belly, you know, all kinds of things, right? And yet it's the support of my family that had me not buy into that because the mantra is, this is what they say about you, but this is not who you are. Yes, and that's what that that? stays with you. Yes. But being bullied is never easy. No. And that also stays with you at some level, yes? Absolutely. And guess who I was bullied the most by? My Sunday school peers. Those <laughs> went to church with us saying, are you kidding me? But again, um, they did not understand. And I think it's a misunderstanding of the worlds that people live in. People look at people um, that have a lot of money and think, oh, it's gravy. And it's not necessarily. It really isn't. So um, there's racism then against that. But the most racism I found was not so much in my country, 
but coming here to the United States. That's when it really hit me. Um, because before then, um, even though I grew up and everything was really, really great, um, it's not till I got here that I realized that the color of your skin, no matter what, what level you're at, determines how they treat you. How old were you when you moved here? Um, my mom died when I was 13, so I came um, when I was 16. So you were a teenager and you were in the middle of school. You had to then start school here as well. Exactly, exactly. And going to school at the United Nations was awesome. I remember my first experience was pulling up, you know, driving that. Pulling up, opening up the door, getting out. And here's this girl, white girl. She comes up to me, she says, well, what are you doing here? And I'm going, well, I think in my mind, I think I'm supposed to be here because this is where, um, you know, diplomats and their kids. So I think I'm supposed to be here. But for me, that question was so jarring because like, what do you mean? What am I, why am I, why am I supposed to be here? Of course I'm supposed to be here. And I didn't think quick enough to ask her, why are you here? Right, <laughs> right. I should have thought of that. What kind yeah. of school, what school were you at? It was the United Nations school. So it was actually all different people from all different nations, yet they questioned you, what are you doing there? Yeah. That's wacky. And what, but, but once you got in, once you were there for a bit, because there were so many people, did you still experience a feeling of being on the outside? Yes, from, from, from white kids who are American, not from other nations. The American. Italy, France, no problem. We got along well, because we all understood we were there for a common purpose. And our parents were there for a common purpose. So but, that's what bonded us. But for but, some reason, the kids from the US were different. Yeah, they were different because they were not diplomats' kids. They were um, kids of CEOs of corporations or some other, but they were not diplomats' kids. So I think it's really interesting the question, why are you here? Why are you here? Because technically speaking, we know you got in by other means, but you are not, quote, unquote, one of us, so to speak. Yeah. But we never said that. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that was in New York, I imagine. Yeah, in New York. So my best years. And for and you ended up working in corporate America and working for different companies and doing different types of things: occupational therapy, yeah, um, business, neuropsychology, all mm -hmm. of those things. What did you experience as you were coming up in the world as an adult? The the same kind of prejudice. Um, again, coached in how come you got that position. And I don't. And, and the number one thing is, Trish, I had to learn to be a chameleon. And that's part of the diplomatic training. You learn to just be very quiet and be in the background of everything. And it, it really was difficult because I so wanted to advocate for a lot of things. But I realized that I couldn't advocate for a lot of things because of who I was. So it's a tremendous amount of suppression. Um, and, I, and in order to just function in life, this interview with you is the first time I've ever really shared about who I am and so forth, because 
you learn very quickly. Don't talk about it too much. Don't share too much. You know, they don't like you as it is. Um, because you not only experience white on black racism, you experience black on black racism as well. So it's like, okay, I don't know what, where, to, where to go with anything. Let me just stay in my little corner and be happy. And that's what I've learned to do for a very, very long time. Wow. You know, it's, well, thank you, first of all, for being here and for sharing. And I know, you know, for some, it's bringing up stuff. It's got to bring up stuff. Uh -huh. you know? A lot of stuff. <laughs> Imagine. And, you know, when I hear you talk about the, you know, who are you and uh, the whole thing about being wealthy, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I see that too. I see that as people become more successful. I've seen it myself with my own mm -hmm. circle of friends as I was coming up and I was being more out there and I was getting promoted and I was moving up the corporate ladder and leaving people behind, or at least that's how they felt. Yes. Um, I felt that as well. So I can't imagine how much exponentially more it was for you being the combination of a woman of color, plus a woman who's successful, plus a woman who has money, right? So you- it's, it's just too much for people, Trish. And I'm saying that um, not in a bad way, but um, sometimes the world isn't ready for all of that. And you have to wait for it to catch up. I remember Oprah, right? When she first came out, um, I mean, what she was experiencing. And, and that's why for us, we stay silent. Well, and it's funny you mention Oprah because for the last five or six years, Oprah's been demonized by a, a, a group of people who tend to fall on the conservative side of things, demonized yes, and lied about over and over yes. and over again because A, she's black, B, she's rich, C, she's powerful, D, she's a woman. Right? <laughs> and that's it, <laughs> right? It, it shocks me. It just yeah. shocks me. But so I hear what you're saying. Because the, the truth is there is such a huge pull, and you'll understand this, there's a pull for normal. And anything outside of normal can't be right. There's gotta be something wrong with that. You're not supposed to be there. Just like, what are you doing here? That, that leading question. You're not supposed to be X, Y, and Z. People looking like you shouldn't do what you're doing. I remember I lived in Indiana. Yes, one of, one of, one of my more educated years, yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember now Indiana, as you know, used to be the former headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan. So there's still a lot of that mentality there. Yes. And I remember, it, I'm really, Trish, I have to tell you, God has been with us so, so often. Because my son, um, he went to Catholic school and he was the only black kid in the school and he experienced racism um, until we had to check the teacher. She was really deliberately um, giving him bad grades in math and he knew his stuff. But the long and short of it is he ended up being the co-teacher of the class with her because we as a family were supporting him, 
you know, we knew who we were. I think that's something else I want to bring up too. You have to know who you are and stand there. And so that regardless of what people say about you, you don't allow that to influence you and to influence where you're going or where God wants you to go. Does that make sense? It does. And while I absolutely agree with that, I also have to take into consideration how much you've been taking all your life mm-hmm. that you have to consistently stand above, rise above. I mean, at some point, the frustration has got to be there for you. Absolutely. And you get to the point where I'm not taking this anymore. Remember the movie, I'm Mad as Hell? Right. Yes. <laughs> At some point, yeah. that's what happens. And I think that's what happened this summer. Yes. With, with, with what happened with protests and people coming out and saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. I've been putting up with this for too long now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do get to that point. And then the decision is a very personal one. What am I going to do about it? Right. And as an individual, what am I going to do about it? And... For me, it's to stay the path um, that I've been put on. And if I can help people just cope with whatever they're dealing with. Because if you took it on, Trish, you could be depressed. You could be suicidal. You could be anything. You know, you could be not here. Yeah. But you've got to understand the bigger picture that's happening. And then choose powerfully to be part of the bigger picture. Like, where do you fit into that? And it's not anything that anybody can force you to be. You gotta make that decision for yourself. Me, I've decided to change people's brains. That's that's what I've decided to do. Well, and because the brain has a big part of what happens, you know, you create these grooves in your brain when things get repeated. Yes. Right? So you're actually dealing with your neuropsychology, physicality, Yes. As well. And that's true for the oppressor as well as the oppressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny. We talk about racism, but it's two sides of the coin. But the underlying, um, what I've found the underlying uh, precipice is fear. Fear. It's raw, guttural fear. Fear that somebody is going to be better than me. Fear that somebody is taking something from me. Fear that, you know, um, uh, I'm going to lose something or I am losing something or I lost something. And I'm fearful of this happening over and over and over again. Thank you. I'm afraid of you because you look different different than me. I'm afraid of you because the media has told me, let's face it, that you're a bad person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What was the, uh, the Netflix movie, 19th? which was all about how the media, if you will, and how everybody jumps on it, how the media has ended. The reason we have so many black men in prison goes way back to all the way to the beginning of the end of slavery. And we, we can even look and see in the 1990s how the three strikes you're out rules caused more people to go to prison. So there's so much, it's so deep and it's layers and layers. And I really appreciate what you're saying about fear because that is what it is. I'm afraid somebody's taking something from me. I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that, 
you know, I'm working so hard and why should I hand you anything like that whole mentality? Mm -hmm. So I, I can tell you immigrants who come here, mm -hmm. they work very, very hard. They really do, the majority of them do because if you knew what they dealt with in their country, you wouldn't have a conversation about them. Absolutely. You just Absolutely. wouldn't. Yes, I know that. I definitely know that. You know, that they put that, but the thing is that they have a plan. They come with a plan and they have a time frame that they want to have that plan realized. And so the mindset is very different of an immigrant than, a, and, than somebody who's born and raised. And that's what I've found. Nothing wrong. It's just different. Right. It's different. And that too goes to they're taking my job, right? That can also add fuel to that fire. Yes. Yeah. And here's the thing, nobody can take anything away from you unless you let them. Well, and that's the concern. That's the concern is that they're letting them take it away. Mm -hmm. And those, the vitriol and all the demagoguery and the noise about all of that. I mean, that's, so we have to be diligent in understanding what's real and what's not in looking beneath the headlines. Yes. Everything, if you look on social media, headline of the day without all of the details that explain the headline, mm -hmm. causing everybody to get in an uproar in one way or the other. Yeah. So yeah. I really, you know, for me, I, I like to think about just having conversations like this. And I invite all of you who are here, this is what it takes. It takes just conversation among you and your friends about what can you do differently? What, you know, how can you be an ally in this, this challenge that we have in front of us with racism? And it goes beyond just black. It's all people of color, all people, no matter where they are no matter what they do. So one of the things I wanna to recommend to everybody is there's a great Facebook group called the Color of Change. Color of Change is the name of this group. And one of the things they've recently done is, so there's a TV show on ABC called The Rookie. And it's actually a reboot of The Rookie from many years ago. And Color of Change is now consulting with the writers of the show to make it more diverse and more real about what it is, what happens with cops and people of color. I mean, this is a big deal. Mm. So just, you know, look at some of these groups, pay attention to some of these. It doesn't take much for you to go to Color of Change and just see what they're writing about. And then read a couple of things about where they're at. So for me, I would, I invite all of you to take some action of some kind yeah. Just to educate yourself, just to get to know. And, 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 you know, when you see the headline, go and look, what does the article say? Right. It's not always what the headline just grabs your attention. Yeah. All they're trying to do is grab your attention and they're mm. playing to the basest emotion. You know, that stem, the brain stem is where they're going and we're humans. Yeah. So, I mean, this was the whole context of, of all that happened in Washington, D.C. There were people who genuinely feel that throughout the years, they have been overlooked. They have been slighted. Um, and, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, 
it's like they found a voice in a person who really started to pay attention to them. And, you know, then we have insurrection because that's what they know to do. Right, right. But truth be told, Trisha, and I can truly say that America has its issues. All countries have their issues, but it's still an amazing country. And if you really want to do something, you can do it here. With that, I agree 100%. You can do it here. Like, just consider all the people who have, you know, transformed their lives, transformed the lives of other people. I see it at Women's Prosperity Network all the time. Yes. Right? People like you who want to take your gifts, you take your talents and do something constructive with them. And the more of us who come together in collaboration and unity to do those things, mm. to make that difference, the more we see the world we really want to be a part of. Bravo. That, that is so true. Yeah. But again, it's a conscious choice. And you've got to reprogram yourself because that fear conversation didn't just start yesterday. It started with your grandmother, your great-grandmother, throughout, you know, all the generations those people yeah and it's not called fear it's it's not identified as fear so when no. you say it comes from fear i can already hear the naysayers oh i'm not afraid it's not has nothing to do with fear no it's ego it's all of those things so to as we close out today is what would you like to leave our audience with in terms of what they can do well i would say that no matter what color you are um, start with you. It really all does begin with you. Um, get involved in whatever organization you feel you can make a difference in. Um, so let me just go back. Start with you, your family, and then your community, and then the world. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here. Dr. Joy Vaughn, what a pleasure to have you here. Oh, pleasure to have you. Oh, pleasure to be here, Trish. Thank so you great. for sharing your experience. Thank you for being here. Thank you who have taken the time to watch. Thank you for making your comments below. I love to read what your thoughts are on this conversation. And we'll be here again next Tuesday with another uh, Sister to Sister show. Thank you for watching. Dr. Joy, appreciate you so much. Same here, Trish. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.